Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with a bald faced truth. Our next guest is a friend of this show, Josh Furlong. You can catch him at KSL, you can find him on Twitter. If you want to know what's going on with Utah football, men's basketball, Utah in general. Furlong's your guy. He has joined us uh, previously on this show, sports director at KSL, beat writer for the University of Utah Athletics. He's a husband, he's a father, he's a man of the world. He's joining us now. Listen, before we get into this schedule business, uh, i got to ask you about your Rose Bowl experience. I know... You were traveling. I know you were traveling at a time which uh, the airlines were having all those problems, and I know you were trying to bring your family with you to Pasadena for long. How did that go? How did that whole experience go for you? It, it went well for me. I was on Delta, so I didn't have any problem. My my family decided to stay back. Uh, we have we have a big trip planned this summer, so we decided to keep them at home this time, and I decided just to go out for the Rose Bowl. So. Uh, it was a, it was definitely just a full work week, uh, trying to, to to follow that and and just dealing with that. But it, everything went well for me. I didn't have to deal with it, you know Southwest or anything like that. Luckily, you uh, the game itself. I was a little bit surprised. Like I thought Utah would really come to play, and so much of their 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 identity is Cam Rising. When he goes out of the game, I guess that's it. But uh, you know, is it possible that Utah was was Thrilled to win the Pac-12 championship, getting to that title game took so much, and beating USC took so much that there was a letdown afterwards. Or what do you think happened against Penn State? Yeah, I think it was in some ways just kind of a level of attrition, right? Like you lose Dalton Kincaid uh, due to uh, an injury that kept him out, so it looked like he opted out, but it was definitely due to injury. You lose Clark Phillips, who is obviously a, a huge weapon for you on defense, but also more just importantly, he, he was a leader of that defense and, and kind of rallied, got people to rally around him. Um, so it, was, it, it definitely felt weird going into that game. I think, you know, a lot of people didn't necessarily expect to be there given the way that the season had gone. But, you know, everybody that talked about it, I mean, they, they wanted to be there. They wanted to win. This was one of those things where they kept saying that it was, you know, the first time was the experience, the second time was, was to win. And, it, you know, you obviously watched it. It was a weird experience to be able to watch them in, in person just that day because they just didn't look like themselves. I don't know if they just felt like Penn State wasn't as good of a team as they thought they were. I don't, I'm not entirely sure. But it was just like a weird vibe from the team all around where it just kind of felt like they were going through the motions and, and didn't really get into a, a consistent rhythm. Uh, you know, and, and then in the second half, when obviously Cam Rising goes down, it, just, it, it really just kind of – it felt like they threw the white flag in and it was just kind of done at that point. So uh, it, it definitely didn't feel like Utah football by any means. But, look, I mean, getting to, to two Rose Bowl appearances in back-to-back years, I mean, that's, that's you know nothing to knock. It was something that they wanted to do. I think it just came in maybe more unfavorable circumstances than they were hoping. Yeah, Cam Rising injury, do we have 
a sense of what it is and what is the University of Utah saying about the injury, if anything? Yeah, the university doesn't say anything. I've tried many times to get something official, and, and the best that we can get from Kyle is that it's a, you know, a, a leg injury. He won't even specify a knee. It, it, quite honestly, it is a knee injury, and it, it looks like it's an ACL tear. So it's going to be probably about a, a nine-month recovery, give or take, you know, how, how, how he responds and everything. So it's, it's not something that, that's something that Cam can't come back from, but it's definitely not good based on the timing of the injury, when the season starts and everything that way. So, you know, if Cam's available for the season, I, I, I might be surprised. I mean, he, he recovered fast from a shoulder surgery, but I have to imagine that his, at least his, his running ability and everything is limited at the very beginning of the season. So it, whatever the injury officially is, uh, what they ever tell us, uh, it, it, it doesn't look good for them, but I think they hope to have him back by the beginning of the season. Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, um, you know, we don't have it. We don't have figures, but the prevailing thought is that those guys were retained at Washington and Oregon with the help of an NIL collective. When when Cam Rising makes his decision to come back, do you believe a collective plays a role in that, or is he just, hey, I love college so much, I'm coming back? No, I definitely think the NIL aspect of it uh, played a role into it, right? I mean, I think he had to look at the tea leaves and say, look, right now I'm not – I'm not necessarily going to be a draftable quarterback. Maybe if I am, I'm in the lower rounds, five to seven. You know, you come back to Utah and you, you at least have a consistent income in terms of what the NIL collectives or whatever sponsorships that he's able to get. I mean, I think it was it was pretty telling from him. The, the day that he announced that he uh, was coming back, there was a video dropped from a credit union here in Utah that had an interview with him immediately. And so it's, it, it clearly shows kind of the the – the situation that he's in where, look, you know, you, you're coming off of an injury where you, your draft stock is, is already not as high as maybe you want to. Now you've got this injury on top of it. That's going to be tough. Why not come back to Utah, make some cash, you know, at least get some money in there and see what your future holds, you know. And, and, and obviously this is no guarantee for any of these guys that decide to come back. You could have season-ending injury, career-ending injury. But I think right now I think you're seeing this NIL – play a, a good role for, for college football, maybe adds a little bit more parity to the game because now you have guys that feel like they don't have to force themselves into the league when they're not ready or, or whatever it may be. Now they can sit here and stay in the, in the league and, and, and have some fun and, and, you know, get paid. I mean, you have to still go to school. I mean, there is that aspect still, so that has to be a, a weighing force. But I think it, it's good for the game. I think it's a great opportunity to get all these, these quarterbacks back. I mean, the Pac-12 is going to be stacked next year. I'm excited to see it again. We're talking to Josh Furlong. Uh, he is the beat reporter, University of Utah. Uh, works at KSL uh, right there in Salt Lake City. Uh, the schedule reveal, it comes out. I got to know, um, when you're looking at Utah's individual schedule, where do your eyes go? When you're looking at the grid of the whole conference, where do your eyes go on that initial look, Josh? Uh, my look is, is initially to the contenders, right, the, the teams that are expected to be at the top of the conference, which is obviously going to be Oregon, USC, Washington, and Utah. And so for me, looking at their schedule, since they, Utah does play all of those teams this year, they, they get Washington on the schedule after not having them last year. You know, that, that's quite the gauntlet. And, and for me, the, the one that I, I look at always is USC. That's always an emotional game for Utah ever since, you know, the Pac-12 divided it into the north and south. That's always been kind of the defining game in the South. Now it's obviously a little different, but that game's always meant something to those two programs. And the fact that Utah beat them twice last year 
I, I, you know, that's going to be an emotionally charged game, especially in the last time in the Coliseum, maybe potentially ever, depending on if USC wants to schedule Utah. So, you know, that one's going to be tough to be able to have that and then back it up with Oregon the week after. And that's, that's, that's as tough as they can probably get in, in conference play for Utah, uh, to be able to have two of those contending teams, two dominant quarterbacks that are going to be really solid. You know, that, that is probably where my eyes uh, went to first, and then obviously where Washington is at. Uh, Michael Penix is, is the problem. You know, he, he's, he's obviously able to, going to throw for a lot of yards, and I think that's going to be something that Utah's going to be mindful of. And I think the fact that they get them at the end of the season could bode very well, or it could be a you know a disaster based on how Utah's season has gone. So uh, I think I think it's a, a good schedule for Utah, but the reality is this is probably the toughest schedule that Utah's ever faced in the Pac-12. Getting better players is you know I, I noticed on signing day it looked like Kyle Whittingham was getting more stars, uh, so to speak, than he had in prior classes. It, is the success uh, meriting or netting him better talent? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I think one of the, the situations even was it, last summer, I believe it was in June, Utah had more recruits than they've ever had officially visiting their program. Uh, you're getting guys that are, are taking interest in the program based off of their, you know, winning the Pac-12 championship and then going to the Rose Bowl. And the fact that you're able to do that again, you're starting to see guys that, you know, they were a lean for a certain school. There was a lot of guys that were leaning towards Stanford. And obviously David Shaw leaving that kind of impact as well. But you're, you're getting guys that are starting to say, look, I can, I can come to Utah. It's going to be consistent there. You've got a consistent coaching staff that has kind of a blueprint on how to do it. Yeah, you may not have the same stars as, as an Oregon who clearly cleaned up with, with their recruiting class or, or the – the you know skills players of USC, but you're finding ways to beat these teams on at least a consistent basis. Now you know add to that class by bringing in higher tiered four stars. You know you're getting closer to those five star athletes that, that Utah's still coveting. You know I think this this is one of those things that Kyle has kind of preached. He he doesn't want to just kind of be he calls it a flash in the pan program where you're really hot one year and then down for the next couple of years. He really wants to build this as a consistent program. That, that is sustainable, right? So it's been a slower climb than, you know, like USC instantly inserting a bunch of talent from the transfer portal, but he feels like it's much more sustainable that way, and, and at least for the last, you know, five, seven years it has been. We're talking to Josh Furlong in Salt Lake City, covers University of Utah. KSL is his uh, employer, uh, among others. But, uh, Josh, uh, as you mm-hmm. sort of look at this offseason, spring football into next year, um, you know, you got Florida as an opener at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Right now they're saying that game could float. Um, it, the prevailing thought is that Utah wants to play Thursday games. Will that game end up on a Thursday, or what's what's kind of the whisper that you're hearing? Yeah, like you said, that's kind of the prevailing thought. Uh, you know, I think the fans want it to be a Saturday just because there's tailgating and kind of just the, the spirit of, of, you know, what college football means on the weekend. But Kyle Whittingham really loved those Thursday games. It's, it's a night to be able to showcase, you know, your own product. And they haven't necessarily had these big of names on those nights. Michigan is one that they had back when Jim Harbaugh started there. Um, but for the most part, you know, this this is kind of a day that, that Kyle's really carved out for himself to, to say, look, this is the day Utah plays. So, I wouldn't be surprised if it if it you know moved to Saturday, but at the same time, everything that I've heard and every kind of the prevailing thought is that it will stay on Saturday or Thursday, and kind of be one of those those night games that you, you're going to get a lot of attention. 
is going to be the only thing on that at least matters. It's not going to be an FCS opponent. It's going to be a game with a lot of importance, and it's, it's the first time that you know Florida has really traveled west. I think outside of the one of the Rose or not the Rose Bowl, the the bowl game in in December, this is the furthest west they've gone really ever. So it, it's a great opportunity to be able to see a, a program that has obviously a national championship pedigree. Uh, they're not quite there where they were, but at least it's a it's an SEC team that that, that matters, and it's, it's a night that that's going to give Utah fans a great opportunity to kind of start that season. Josh, uh, this season, uh, like I, if I had to pick a team, I'm still picking Utah to win it because I've seen them win and win and win, and until somebody knocks them out, I think they're the pick. But um, you know, how is this season going to feel differently, or I guess the run up to this season going to feel different than maybe a year ago? Yeah, I think for just starting with Utah, I think the difference is the health of Cam Rising, right? If if Utah has to deal with a, a quarterback battle going into that those first few games, you know that that leads you to wonder where Utah should fall. Should they be a, a conference favorite? Um, you know, I would never doubt Kyle Whittingham, but that that's a tough challenge, especially going with Florida and Baylor. But I think you know ultimately, I think the, the the difference here is you've now got a bunch of proven teams that have been at the top of the conference for most of the season this last year. And so it very well could be Washington, it could be Oregon, it could be USC, it could be Oregon State for even that matter. I think, you know, you've got a lot of proven talent, and I think it makes it much harder to guess. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what that, that media vote's going to be in July when we turn in our ballots to say, okay, what team do you think is going to win? Because I don't think it's going to be much of, an, of a consensus as it has in years past where, you know, everybody kind of expects it to be USC one year or Oregon or Utah. I think this year you're going to get a lot more split votes, and, and probably nobody's wrong just based on, on how last season went. So for me, I would probably lean towards Washington just based on the trajectory that they had going into the end of the season. Um, but, I mean, I could make an argument for even UCLA, you know, who's, who's probably not going to be talked about in, in those same categories. But, I mean, I think it's, it's a league that, that has definitely grown, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how it, it shakes out. Josh Furlong in Salt Lake City. Hey, I appreciate you joining us, Josh. Thank you, man, and uh, good luck to you. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate it. Good stuff there from Furlong. Look, I like to get the outside-in look at the conference. Tomorrow on the show, we'll get a look at Arizona State, and I want to talk some basketball on the Arizona State front. Tomorrow they will be hosting UCLA. Uh, ASU hosting UCLA tomorrow, and then UCLA will play Arizona on Saturday in a big showdown in the conference. But if Arizona State can beat UCLA tomorrow night, look out. This conference uh, could have a, uh, a problem at the top of the standings and no dominant team. Uh, really important game tomorrow night for the Pac-12 as it comes to the NCAA tournament and potential teams getting in. Is Arizona State for real? Didn't play a tough non-conference, but have been very good in conference play. Are they just a good team playing in a conference that is not very good or is Arizona State going to make the NCAA tournament? I think we'll find out a lot about the Sun Devils tomorrow night. Why don't you leave it here? You got the bald-faced truth. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the bald hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald-Faced Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald-Faced Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.